I wander through each chartered street, near where the chartered Thames does flow, and mark in every face I meet, marks of weakness, marks of woe, in every cry of every man, in every infant's cry of fear, in every voice, in every ban, the mind-forged manacles I hear. How the chimney sweepers cry, every blackening church appalls, and the hapless soldier's sigh runs in blood down palace walls. But most through midnight streets I hear how the youthful harlot's curse blasts the newborn infant's tear and blights with plagues the marriage hearse. In the last episode, I talked a lot about the archetype of the holy fool and the idea of divine madness or theamania in Greek. I mentioned that in the dialogue Phaedrus, Plato gives a probably spurious etymology claiming that the word manic, meaning mad, and mantic, meaning prophetic, are actually the same word, but the latter has had an extra letter inserted into it at some point. It's perhaps significant that this extra letter is a tau, our letter T, which forms a symbolic cross. For it is exactly the divine, which is the interposed element separating the prophet, who is inspired with the divine madness, from the simple, everyday madman. The Tao distinguishes the prophet from the idiot, the savior from the shlemiel, the Christ from the clown. The Greek letter Tau was derived from Tav or Taf in Phoenician. The Phoenicians were prolific traders and seafarers in the ancient world, so the Greeks got their alphabet from them. In the Phoenician alphabet, it appeared as the 22nd and final letter. I mentioned before how the 22 letters of Hebrew, a related Semitic language, were supposed to correspond with the 22 tarot trumps of the major arcana. And how Aleister Crowley asserted the correspondence with the fool card to be the first letter, Aleph. In the Jewish legend of the Golem, a rabbi creates an animated being out of clay by inscribing on its forehead the word emet, meaning truth. Emet is a special word in that it consists of the first letter of the alphabet, Aleph, the middle letter, Mem, and the final letter, Tav. Aristotle tells us that a story necessarily has a beginning, middle, and end. 
if the Aleph corresponds to the Fool Tarot card, the final letter Tav corresponds with the World card. And when the rabbi found it necessary to kill the golem, he erased the Aleph, and the remaining letters spelled out the word Met, meaning dead. Just as an aside, one of the first esoteric pieces I ever wrote was about, of all things, the Lego movie, in which I found Gnostic, Freemasonic, and Kabbalistic references. Uh, my interest was first piqued by noticing that the protagonist of the Lego animated portion of the movie, uh, literally an animated plastic toy, was named Emmet, a near homophone for that keyword in the Gollum story. Another significant story in which the final letter Tav appears is the prophet Ezekiel's vision of Jerusalem, in which a letter is marked on the foreheads of those worthy of salvation. Those that, quote, sigh and cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Everyone else is to be killed without remorse. One meaning of the world card in tarot is the completion of a cycle before beginning again. Those marked with the Tao will cross over into the next phase. They are the last and first men, the X-Men. This letter widely symbolized life and resurrection. St. Francis, who I discussed in the previous episode, had a special affection for this letter, and it has also become a symbol of the Franciscan order that he founded. When Paul wrote that, quote, The letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. He's, in a sense, inverting this older idea of a saving letter. Literally. Literally, literally. Literally means by the letter. This letter which marks the divinely appointed from those doomed to madness and death. The latter a class of people that Thomas Pynchon, in his early books especially, is very interested in, which he calls the preterite, the passed over, those that God has passed over, which is not the same as the Passover idea uh, from the Old Testament. That's the opposite, those who are passed over in the campaign of divine destruction. Also identified with a significant mark. The literary critic Harold Bloom argued that William Blake's famous poem, London, which I quoted at the beginning, is a revision of this passage from the book of Ezekiel. He considers it a kind of anti-Deridian nostalgia for prophetic presence or logos which pits voice here heard as cries against writing 
marks the marks of weakness marks of woe he writes quote what blake is repressing into this hyperbolical hearing seeing is the visionary power of the nabi a hebrew prophet and the running of the repressed voice down the repressive walls represents not only the soldier's hapless sigh but the more powerful hapless sigh of the prophet who has repressed the voice that is great within us blake's poem is not a protest not a prophetic outcry not a vision of judgment it is a revisionist's self-condemnation at knowing he is not an ezekiel end quote now i try to be humble in the face of a Bloomian interpretation because he is more erudite than me by many many times over but I find this to be excessively depoliticized surprising myself since I generally advocate a largely apolitical perspective when approaching art of any kind I think it's a real protest poem even if there is this relationship always in Blake with the Hebrew prophetic tradition and even if the ultimate aim of poetry is art and not political revolution we know Blake is not a prophet because he wanders within the city whereas prophets wander in the wilderness for the sake of the city. After the quasi-prophetic city wandering of Blake comes the loafing or strolling of the flaneur, which we find in the decadent poets and esthetes, particularly Baudelaire. The flaneur observes all of the same marks but with a greater detachment I don't really care to say what I do for a living specifically it's nothing exciting I assure you but I will tell you that part of it involves walking around every day in a downtown area of the city where I live and of course I see a lot of homeless people a lot of businesses have been closed down recently uh, because of COVID although some had already been closing anywhere you find a storefront with nobody watching it you'll soon see a gathering of little tents shopping carts blankets on the sidewalk with bodies under them in the last year I've witnessed people smoking crack in front of a used bookstore someone shooting up in front of a bank in broad daylight I often pass people on the street that I know are in a completely different world than me muttering wild-eyed arguing with invisible people screaming down Broadway and I think about Blake's poem London every now and again though I know I'm not 
anywhere close to being a prophet or a poet. Not even a flaneur. I'm just doing my job. Blake saw marks of weakness and woe. And I see that too. But I also see and hear a lot of anger. I don't know if it's just a recent thing or what, but rage seems to me the dominant emotion on the street. When I was writing the last episode on holy fools, all of whom occupied the place of the social outcast, and who often displayed behavior that seemed crazy, I couldn't help wondering if there were anybody like that today. And if I saw them on the street, would I be able to pick them out from someone who was just a schizophrenic off their meds? I don't know. Divine madness seems like a dead language to me. All that there is is this social machine and the only kinds of people are those that the machine is able to utilize and process often at the cost of an inner life of quiet desperation people like me the final declension of the Ezekiel and Blake type into total sterility and on the other hand the people the machine just spits out the ones who ask me for change every day or argue with unheard voices or just stare into the void. I don't think everyone's having a terrible time of it. Sometimes I think these guys are just living the life that they would prefer to live. I see a guy who asks me for change sometimes multiple times a day and he says the exact same thing and I think he does pretty well for what he wants to be doing the weather got warmer recently and I, last time I saw him I kid you not he was walking around wearing a sombrero that's pretty odd for the place that I live anyway the people who wind up on the street they're the waste of this machine we've built. This is not a judgment on them. I don't take on the machine's perspective, even though I'm encouraged to. But by the laws of thermodynamics, any material not available for work is waste. And you pinch-on readers will recognize another prominent theme of his early novels. The fault could lie with me, though. That salvific cross on the forehead is maybe just invisible to me. But at least I know a slight difference between myself and most of the people I work with that I'm looking for it. One last bit on the Tau or Tav cross symbol as it relates to the fool. This concerns Charles Manson, who I don't suppose I need to give much background on. When the sentencing procedures began, 
on his trial for murder and conspiracy to commit murder, Manson appeared in court with an X carved into his forehead. He submitted a statement to the court stating, among other things, that he was a monster created by society, that he did not accept the court's authority to judge him, and that the X meant, quote, I have X'd myself from your world. His female followers, still fiercely loyal to him, all followed suit. Some in jail, like Susan Atkins and Leslie Van Houten, others on the outside, gathered around and photographed outside the courthouse. Later, Manson extended the X pattern to form the shape of a swastika. It's a fascinating variation on the Ezekiel theme. Manson was reported to have hinted or outright claimed to be God or Jesus Christ. And here he self-applies the biblical sign that removes him from judgment. Remember that the Fool card was originally known as the excuse. It's an exemption. On the physical plane of reality, Manson was judged guilty by the court, and he spent the rest of his life in prison. He gave many interviews over the years, and his personality continued to exert an influence that I think does owe something to the Fool archetype. For the rest of this episode, please visit patreon.com slash symbolpod. You can get benefits like early access to episodes, exclusive bonus episodes, reading lists for the show, and other bonus content for as little as $3 a month. The Forest of Symbols will continue to explore the deepest symbolic roots of art, literature, philosophy, religion, science, and history, as well as interviews with some of the most interesting artists and thinkers of our time. But we need help from you to make this show the best it can be. Go to patreon.com slash symbolpod and support the show today.